Morning, how are you all? It is uh, it's fantastic to see you here. It was actually 12, 12 months ago today, I was actually on my way back from Australia uh, from that uh, just bizarre and just uh, off-the-wall invite to go and help them out in their, in their uh, work down there. Now, what I do for work, Phil's mentioned my family. I've got Louise who sat there just there. I've got two kids, Morgan, who's 13, Olivia, who's 16. I've been blessed with, with, with great things in my life. We've been married almost 20 years. Um, next month, it's been 20 years since we got married. And so much has happened in that time. It's just been a, you could, like, you could say whirlwind, but whirlwind's done last for 20 years. But it's certainly been a roller coaster during that time. For work, I, I work for a major medical company who supply ventilators, life support machines, and uh, anesthesia equipment. And I'm uh, tasked with going to train the doctors as to how to use that equipment. So it's a reasonably responsible job. It's just a job I really, really enjoy. And, that, yeah, it takes me miles away. Sometimes I'm not home for... Well, I totted up this year. I think by the end of the year, I've been away for more than three months in total, if you count all the nights I've been away, which is a lot. But actually, for our family, it's just normal. That's life. That's how we, that's how we do life. And I was at the office just, uh, just the other week. I was just doing some work. I was doing a tender uh, that needed to go out for a, a new deal. And I was just making myself a coffee in the, in the kitchen. And two of the younger ladies from the, from the team, the finance team, were down there making their lunch. You know, a couple of, couple of leaves of lettuce and a you know, rice cracker, whatever they eat. And, and uh, they, they asked me a question. And the moment they asked me a question, I knew I was in trouble. They'd asked me a question, and there was no getting out of it. I was on the horns of a dilemma. Now, what do I do? Now, ladies, you know, you know full well that if you ask a guy, for instance, about the decor of the house, it's okay for the guy not to have an opinion, okay? Don't try and get an opinion out of a guy on what colour scatter cushion shall I use, okay? It's okay, guys, not to have an opinion about the decor. As long as you can see the TV and work your remote and got some, somewhere for your cup of tea, that's all that matters. Same in the kitchen. Ladies, if you want a new dinner service, go and buy it, all right? Don't ask the guy. He doesn't care what pan it is. All he cares about, does it go in the dishwasher? Okay, and, and if you're getting ready to go out and, you know, your man's downstairs, he's already dressed, you've told him he has got no idea what he looks like, he's got no fashion sense, and then you go and ask him, how do I look? Now, guys, there is only one of two possible answers here. One is great, one is fantastic. If you preface that with erm, you're not going out for at least another hour, Okay. <laughs> So these girls asked me a question, and immediately, and guys, I'm going to tell you now, there's no getting away from this question. One of the girls said to me, how old do you think I am? <laughs> Boys, I tell you, when you hear that question, you are in big trouble. You are in huge trouble, because you can't say, oh, I'm no good at that sort of thing, because they want an answer, and woe betide you if you get it wrong, which I did. <laughs> Okay, now, there's, there's a formula, guys. Okay, so ladies, close your ears. Guys, if you ever ask that, take a look at them, okay? And before you say anything, don't open your mouth. And I, I actually ignore my own advice here. Think of a number, and then minus at least 10. <laughs> All right? And if you do that, you should be safe. Sorry, ladies, the secret's out now. I got the number wrong. Now, I was only three or four years out, but it was plus side. And to make it worse, I was in the wrong decade. <laughs> and I thought, that's just not fair. Fancy asking me a question like that, and I, I would be made to suffer for that for some while. So it might be a while till I get my uh, next expenses paid, because they work for the finance team. But that made me think of the, uh, the title of this morning's message. When life seems 
unfair. That's an unfair question to ask a bloke. So ladies, if you ask me afterwards, you're all 21, okay? Just give you fair warning, that one. What to do when life seems unfair? I'm just going to base um, this morning's message on two things, really. The first one is the Psalm 23. Now, we all, we love the Lord is my shepherd. But in verse 4, David says, Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know you are with me. There's a story in 1 Kings 19 of, of Elijah. And Elijah found himself in a desert place. He found himself far away from favor. He was in danger of his life. And his life seemed tremendously unfair. But yet the psalmist writes, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no way of evil because you are with me. I started to read um, the autobiography of Fabrice Moamba. You may know him. He's a footballer. And uh, just over a year ago, uh, he collapsed on a football pitch. And uh, he was clinically dead. I started to read his book, and the first chapter says, through it all, bear in mind, he's loads of money. He can no longer play the game. He loves with a passion. He will, he will never play for England or whatever. But he says, God has got a plan for my life. Wow. The valley of shadow of death, I know God has got a plan for my life. He'd been praying for a, a, one of my work colleagues. His name is Andy, who is suffering from esophageal cancer. But he's been really positive and uh, I don't really know his, his full story. I know some of his stories. I said to Andy, why are you so positive? He said, it's my faith. It's my faith in God. So I said to him, can I quote you uh, on Sunday at Arena Church? He said, of course you can. It's my faith that keeps me so positive. Now, Elijah, one of the greatest prophets ever. In fact, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's Jesus, it's Moses, it's Elijah. It's not Abraham or Enoch or anybody else. It's Elijah that stood there. And as I look through my life, there's been so many occasions where my life could have been a real car crash. There's been situations that have just uh, invaded mine and Louise's life during during our married life where it could go on downhill very seriously and very fast. Yet, but somehow this morning, I'm still standing, just like Fabrice Moamba's book. It's called I'm Still Standing. But why? Is it because I'm a fantastic Christian? Absolutely not. I get things wrong as, as, as often as everybody else does. But I want to stand this morning. And I want to give you my conclusion first. Usually when you get a message, you get an introduction, you get three or four points, you get a conclusion. I'm going to give you my conclusion right now. David says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. I believe 100% in the supremacy of God. I believe that God walks with me every single step of every single day. Whether I'm doing things right or whether I'm doing things wrong, I still believe that God is with me. I believe that God is with me. I stand with an assurance this morning by what the word of God says. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. That's the truth that I stand in this morning. And Elijah, who's had the pinnacle, he's had the height of success in God. You know, with the the fire coming down and just burning the whole altar. The ball, the stones, the water, everything. And yet he stands in this place and saying, God... Life is so unfair. And I like Elijah. He's a bit like the Peter of the Old Testament. He's up and down. He's, he's angry. He's, he's great. He's full of miracles. And he's full of complete doubt. I like him for that. I, I can't liken myself to Elijah because he was a fantastic prophet. But I recognize his life. And I recognize things that I go through. And sometimes you just hit that wall and you go, God, why me? Has anybody ever asked that question? Now, I'm sure you're all super spiritual. You never have. But who's asked that question? God, why me? This is so unfair, just like Kevin the teenager. The life is so unfair. 
And the enemy will be quick to come into that, that moment right then, and he will look at you, and he will just whisper in your ear, and he will say, what are you doing here? You're a Christian. You know a God. What are you doing here? You'll never get out of this. This is too much mess. This pit is too, too deep for you to get out of. What are you doing here? But the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit whispers in your ear and says, what are you doing here? You're in this place. You think it's unfair. You think it's dark. But what are you doing? David says, even though I walk, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And then this passage in 1 Kings 19, God just has to reveal to Elijah some things that Elijah should already know. He's, he's known ravens bringing food when he's hungry. He's lived with a widow for, for a couple of years and her flour and her oil never ran out because miraculously God came through for that family. She said, I can make you some bread, but that's it. Me and my son are then going to lie down and die because we've got no food. And God comes through for Elijah. This is all before. This has gone before. Elijah's known the complete and utter supremacy of God. And this morning, I'm sure you can look back in your life, you've known the complete supremacy of God, but yet sometimes you say, God, life is so unfair. And God says, well, I just need to remind you of a few things, Elijah. You know, it's true. When we get in these situations, sometimes they're of our own making. Let's, let's face it. We mess up. We make the wrong choices. And we find ourselves in situations. Sometimes we find these situations so dark because we're just going through a spiritual attack. Because we're doing things right. And the enemy just throws stuff at us. But occasionally, things just happen. And we, we, we try and say, well, things must happen for a reason. Well, they don't. Sometimes things just happen. But the Holy Spirit is there to guide you every single step of the way to help you through that. Andre Crouch, one of our greatest uh, gospel writers, said, if I never had any problems... I guess I wouldn't know that God could solve them. Nicky Gumbel just tweeted yesterday. He says, peace is not being where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work, but being in the midst of those and still being calm in your heart. And believe me when I say, the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry, the highest point, the reason he came, was also its most painful, the most hurtful, the most lonely, but yet he achieved so much right in that valley of the shadow of death. Just got a few reminders they were near me. James said, just, we, we had a conversation about this earlier in the year. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tests, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy. Elijah, count it all joy, but it's only me, God. There's only me left. There's nobody else. So God says, right, I'm going to remind you of some things. I've got four reminders this morning. Reminder number one is God's provision. The angel brought, in that passage in 1 Kings 19, brought Elijah some food. He said, eat, because the journey is too long. Elijah, you need to eat, because the journey is too long. And as I look through my life, I can just see those points of God's provision. A couple of years ago, uh, I think it was 2007, I was made redundant. Now, that's not the first time I made redundant. Okay? Well, in fact, I was fired. Okay? Let's just call it what it was. I was fired. My boss didn't think I was selling enough pacemakers so I was, they actually wrote my resignation letter for me. Um, less than a year, out the door, out you go. Now, I would like to say that on that morning, I just woke up and I was seeing, oh, God is able, and I didn't. Right then, in that moment, 
as a family man, I've got a wife who can only work an hour a day because of illness. I've got two young kids. I've got more kids. I've got everything. And in that moment, in that moment, it just felt like I was looking into a great big chasm. That moment, I was doing Elijah. Why me? I'm working hard. I'm having fun what I'm doing. Why me? And that moment, there just seemed to be no hope. And guys, if you've ever been in that situation, I really know what it feels like. When you find that ripped away from you, I really know what it feels like. Right in that moment, there was fear, there was trepidation. How am I going to find money for the mortgage? You know, it's not as if we're, we're flush anyway. This is going to be a really difficult time. What will I do? Now, fortunately, I had a, a great pastor who, who prayed with me, and it just, it just we seemed to get through. We went on to a, a prayer breakfast right in the middle of that period. Phil said, we're going to a prayer breakfast. We come and do worship. Yeah, of course. And the first song... I picked was uh, Matt Redman, who's a modern-day psalmist. He said, blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. And, you know, right then in that meeting, I picked it on purpose. It was, it was full of experience for me. I just knew that I still had to praise God. Even that situation, I can look back through the years from my life from being, from being a youngster where God has come through time after time after time with his provision. I never went hungry as a kid, even though my parents were poor. Never went hungry. I was always clothed, even as I was growing up and getting married. God provided time after time with jobs, with cash. When I really needed it, God always opened the door. And Angel said to Elijah, get up and eat, because the journey is too long. If you think you can go on a long journey without food, you're mistaken. Right there, God is reminding Elijah, my provision is enough for you. I mean, during that period, I managed to fill it up with I worked at the school as a, as a governor. I did some extra days. I worked with Phil at, uh, at Jack's Dad. Just some extra sort of stuff and just kept busy. And there's only seven weeks between jobs. And even during that period, somebody actually came up with some cash to pay my mortgage for that month. Fantastic. God's provision. And God reminds us all the time. You know, people had to think that Jonah and the whale was a punishment. Jonah into the water, there's a punishment. Here's the whale swallowed up. It's wrong. The whale was God's way of providing transport for Jonah to get towards his next destination. You hear what I'm saying? God provides a way, even when there is no way. You think, that's not the way I should be going, because I want to draw something out of this this pathway of Elijah later on. that never changes. You know, a year later, it happened again. I was fired again. Maybe I'll get the message. But I've got to say, on that occasion, I just had a clear picture of where I was going next. And a year later, or two two or three years later, the work was starting to drop off. And I said, God, it's in your hands. You know what I need. I want a job that just pays the, pays the, pays the bills. I want a job that allows me to carry on working for you. And I was in uh, San Diego having a coffee with Neil and I had a phone call from an agency. I said, Andy, um, but given your name, there's a position, position coming up at a company that does anesthesia and, and ventilation. Are you interested? So I said, uh, is that Mackay? They said, yes, it is. I said, well, yes, I am interested. And I just got a new job, and I'm still there. And it's fantastic. God's provision. Reminder number two is God's presence in uh, that chapter in Kings 19, verse 9, 11, 13. God takes Elijah into various positions through the, the earthquake, through the thunder, through the storm, through the fire, and then he hears him in the still small voice. Reminder number two is God's presence. Yeah. Elijah, God's presence is so important everywhere you go. Another little story that, uh, that lives. Uh, before I was... In this job, uh, training and selling, I used to be, in a, I used to be a theatre technician working in theatres. And before that, I was a porter in a hospital. 
And I remember as, as a, a quite a young guy, as I, was, I was early 20s, just sitting in those coffee rooms on, or just in those job areas where you wait for your next job. I was so keen to get my next job. Right? I was always the one that was up. Do you know why? Because the conversation in that place was foul. The language was foul. The stories were foul. The guys just bragging of their sexual exploits all the time. And, and, and as a young guy, I thought, I don't want to be here. This is not a place for a Christian to sit in, is it? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Andy, you might be the only Jesus these guys ever see. And uh, I've got to say, with, with, with a lot of honesty, ever since then I've approached every single job the same way. It, it, it might be great to, to work like Phil and just be full-time uh, working for church. Me, I just love being amongst people. I just love it because I might be the only Jesus they ever see. And you might think that full-time Christian work is a thing for you, but you will see people in your daily life that Phil and Christian will never see. You will make connections with hurting people that ministers of great big churches will never, ever do. Why? Because you're there where God puts you. You are salt and light in that situation. But every time I go into a situation, whatever colleague I'm with, whether I'm in a car, whether I'm at a meal table, whether I'm in a coffee room, God is still with me. God has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I am with you. And so God is with you as well. God's presence goes everywhere that you go. There's no way you can escape from presence. David said, where can I flee from your presence? Even if I make my bed in hell, you are still there. And you might think, this situation I'm in right now is hellish. It is the equivalent of hell because all the way around, you've got people who've got maybe demonic possession, you've got just stuff going on that is so unclean. But yet, God has put you there for a reason. Because you might be the only path to salvation they ever see in their life. They may never come into contact with another Christian for as long as they live. And that is why you are there. And sometimes you like to think, God, just airlift me out of here. But God says, no, you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Who else is going to bring salt? Who else is going to bring light but you? God's presence goes with you everywhere you go. Jesus said, I am with you always even to the end of the earth. Did it make my life more comfortable in those coffee rooms? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. But it gave me a purpose. It gave me a, a refreshment in my soul. Like, yeah, God, I'm here for a reason. And it's carried, I've, I've got to say, I've carried with it everywhere I go. And I'm really happy to be in the secular work because I can still meet those guys. And I still get guys sent to me, Guy, Andy, this situation, do you mind praying for me? I can ask them, would you like me to pray for them? And they all go, yeah, I would. God's presence goes with us everywhere I go. Elijah in the desert. God asked him twice, Elijah, what are you doing here? And twice Elijah said, mm, it's only me. I wish I could end it all now. It's all so bad. Reminder number three, God's people, you are not alone. You are not alone. I mentioned God's presence goes with you everywhere you go. I mentioned uh, about Louise being ill. She has a, an illness called myasthenia gravis, and this year she did a fantastic walk of the London Marathon route over two days in April, raised lots of money, and it was just brilliant. But it's been an ongoing process for the past 13 years that we, we've had to live as, as, a, as a family. But in the early days, when we, you know, we knew what the illness was, we knew what was going on, sort of, but it was just so much to carry. And Lou had to go to hospital for a, a very serious, potentially life-threatening operation. We were, we were all praying, the church was praying, I've got, the, the kids were quite young then, you know, Morgan was just a toddler and living not much older. And I thought, right, okay, 
life has got to go on. Okay, we've got to live life as normal. I'm going to carry on doing the stuff I need to do. Okay, so every Sunday morning, I'm getting up. Lou might be tired in bed, and that's, that's fine. I'll get the kids up. I'll get them ready to go out to church. And I would sit them on the front row, just there, so I could play my guitar, and they, I'd be watching them. And they, yeah, everything was, Stiff upper lip. The curse of the stiff upper lip, actually. Because I came to a point, eventually, I thought, this is too much. I'm not coping with this. Where I have broad shoulders. I can do this. I can get through this. But actually, I couldn't. Inside, I was being stretched. I was being broken up. God, I can't do this. And God said, well, what about all those people who have been offering help? You keep saying no. And I just looked. I said, what an idiot. See, guys, you, you are sat next to people right now. The majority of us in this room know Jesus, our Savior. You are not alone. And Elijah's saying, it's only me. But God said, actually, there's 7,000 people who have yet to bow the knee to Baal. You are not alone. There's more than just you, Elijah. You are not alone. Just look around you. Maybe just reach out a hand. You'll find you're not alone. You're full of a church of people that love you and want the best for you in every single way. And I just remember that time. The next, Lou had a relapse shortly afterwards and we're, and we're still pretty, pretty seriously and couldn't do a lot. And people were saying, Andy, do you want some help? I was going, yeah. Yeah. You see, that, that British reserve, that stiff upper lip, I can get through this, that siege mentality, it can build strength, but it can also build walls. And there's a certain part of my heart was saying, no, I don't need anybody. I can get through this, but guess what? I couldn't. I really needed the people of God. And Elijah, you're a great prophet, but it's not just you. There are 7,000. In a nation that small, 7,000 was not an insignificant number. There are 7,000 people who still haven't bowed the knee. Right at the beginning of the Bible, God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. It is not good for any of us to be alone. And if you think this morning, I can do this by myself, I'm all right, Jack, I don't need anybody else, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to think that way. Because God's people are there for you as well. It's a family you don't choose, but you choose to be part of. Now, I can't choose my, my blood family. That, they're, just, they're just there. But you guys, I choose. I choose to be part of Arena Church. I choose to work. I choose to work with Phil and Christian and the guys on the worship team. I choose that. But I go along every single day. Even when I go to work, maybe the other side of the world, I'm still not alone. Because I know the people here are praying for me. They're praying for my family. They're praying for my work. We are not alone. When I was speaking to Andy, uh, my, my colleague, about his... His cancer, he's still working, you know. He's got an operation planned, his chemo started, but he, he, he wants to still work. And he went on to say about his, his faith help, and he said, actually, he said, I'm being positive as well because I want people around me to be positive. I don't want them to get down. He said, but in turn, them being positive helps me. Wow. Wow. That Dave can help me, makes me feel good. I can help Dave, make Dave feel good. Dave can help Jake. And Jake feels good. Jake can help. And see how it quickly spreads. God's people, you are not alone. I really want to implore you this morning. If you think you're plowing this road by yourself, if you think you're all alone, let me reassure you from the word of God, you are not alone. The fourth reminder, and this is where it gets a little bit tough, is God's purpose. Nowhere in this story... Do I hear God saying to Elijah, okay, Elijah, tell you what, go on holiday. 
I'll find somebody else. Tell you what, Elijah, yeah, it is a bit rough for you. I'm going to choose somebody else. Every single step of the way, God said, saying, Elijah, keep on going. Keep on going. In fact, towards the end of the story, he says, I want you to return. I want you to return. So Elijah, the calling has not disappeared. That thing for what God called you will not disappear. You might think it's rough. You might think it's tough. Like I said before, Jesus' worst time was actually the pinnacle of his ministry. The whole reason he came, it was the worst time possible. The last story for you. One of the most painful experiences of my life uh, has been losing my dad. Seven years ago, next week. It still hurts. I still miss him. And it's a really tough time. Prior to that, I was planning to go to Africa. God had just led me um, to a, a divine partnership with a guy called Johnny White. He's the husband of Eliana, who's speaking a couple of weeks' time. We met one day completely by chance in North Wales, and we were just knit together like David and Jonathan. Okay? We've been good mates ever since. In fact, we've been great mates. And Johnny has just been a guy who's just been encouraging me along the way. I've been to Africa three times and other places with Johnny, and he just keeps on encouraging me. And right at the point where I lost my dad, I've got Johnny. And when God spoke to Elijah, he said, I want you to return to what I asked you to do, but on the way, go and anoint Elisha. We all need a friend. We all need someone who's going to walk with us step by step. And Elisha became Elijah's servant. And even those times when, you know, thinking about my dad, it'd be easy to say, get better. God, why me? My dad was only 58. It's not fair. He was such a great influence on my life. There's so many things I appreciate about my dad, but you've taken him away. It's not fair. I could easily do that. And I'm not being trite about loss, not one little bit. Like I said, I still miss him. But God has got a plan for me. And part of that, my dad, every single day, prayed that I would know the calling of God in my life. Every single day. And he's gone. But God sent somebody else as well. And I would, uh, if Johnny ever listens to this podcast, I'll say, Johnny, I honor you because you've been a great guy just when I needed another dad. God's purpose and I'm still here. I'm still standing, not because I'm great, not because I'm super, because I know God is with me every step of the way. I've got to remember that God provides. I have to remember God's presence goes with me everywhere. I have to remember that God's people are such a fantastic resource. But also, I've got to carry on with God's purpose in my life. In Ephesians 4 verse 1, it says, walk worthy of the calling. Keep walking in the calling that God has given. It's a tough road. It's a valley full of, full of snares. It's a valley of the shadow of death, David says, but I, even though I walk, I will fear no evil. You might think you're under the cosh this morning. You might think the devil is on a real go at you this morning, but I want to say from the Psalms, you don't need to fear it because God is with you. His presence, his purpose, his provision, his people with you every single step of the way. I don't believe my dad died for a reason. He got sick. He didn't recover. He died. But like Matt Redman, blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. But blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. I'm not saying that because I'm super. I'm just saying that because I know what God is doing in my life, and I want the same for every single one of you. That's why I'm here, because I believe God has got a pathway for every single one of you, and God wants you to flourish. He has not called you to be a victim. He has called you to be a victor. But Paul says we are more than conquerors. How do you get the badge of being a conqueror? 
by winning a battle. And the green pastures are very nice. But I'll tell you what, they're not battles. And it's battles where we earn our scars. It's battle where we really try God. It's battle where we can really test what God has put us into and come out as conquerors. We are more than conquerors, Paul says. You know, I'm just so glad for the people God's put my way. Some of us out here. Some of them I've already quoted. And every day I'm meeting new people. Just proving that God is with me every step of the way. It might seem dark. It might seem dingy. It might seem dangerous. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, God is with me. And this is why my story lives. This is why I'm still standing. This is why I'm speaking to you today. Because I'm so convinced that God is walking with me every step. Let's stand. Let's, let's just pray. We're going to close with that great Matt Rebbe song in a minute. But just, I just want to pray for you all. And after the meeting, if you want to uh, have prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team just to go over to that corner. And uh, they will minister to you after the service. But I just, want, I just want to pray for all of us. Father, you just know our path. The steps of a good man are ordered by you. And even if we fall we will not be utterly cast down because you uphold us in your hand. And underneath us are the everlasting arms. We don't need to fear any evil. We know it's there. We know it's present. We know it's coming against us. We do not need to fear it because you are with us. Your rod and your staff will comfort us. You are our guide. You are the lamp to our feet. You are the light that points the way. So Father, this morning, it's just an attitude of surrender. I just want to pray for all my people here. All the people here, just listen to this message, whether in here or on on the podcast. Your people, that when they're going through rough times, they remember your provision. That they will take your presence with them everywhere they go. Well, remember, they're not alone. They're part of a huge family that's global. There's millions strong. Millions and millions strong. But finally, we all have a purpose. Father, just remind us this morning, if there's anybody here who's forgotten what their purpose in you is, right now, I just pray, you just remind what that purpose is and say, I'm still with you. I am walking with you. Keep going on that purpose for which I have called you. Thanks. Thanks, Ben.